Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 37. Today, Pippin and I will be talking about what we've been up to and lots of user interface stuff. Uh, once again, uh, Ninja Forms and the guys from WP Ninjas have been kind enough to continue to sponsor us. Uh, they've had a couple of new extensions released recently. They released a Slack integration that lets you send notifications to your Slack chat room when a form is submitted. Uh, they also released a Git response and eye contact integrations recently for uh, email lists. So doing some really cool stuff over there. Go check them out at ninjaforms.com and wpninjas.com. So um, you have been working on expanding your team recently. Once again, seems like this is a pretty consistent trend. Yeah, so, we're kind of perpetually tell us about it. Perpetually hiring over here. Uh, no, we've got we've had a, a fellow uh, named Jeff Gould on trial for a while now, and uh, he's going to be going full time with us on Monday. So super excited about that. Um, it's going to definitely. Uh, help us accelerate our timelines and whatnot. And he's actually based in the U.S., which is the first, believe it or not, it's the first U.S.-based team member for us. Out of how many members now? Uh, we're, uh, including myself uh, and Jeff, we're five total now. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty pretty exciting. Um, and then uh, also, he was actually working on uh, a nice feature that's going to be coming in MigrateDB Pro in the next release. We've I've mentioned this before on the show that we've been having trouble with some hosts blocking our requests because we're making requests um, kind of too close together. Like we'll make mm -hmm. one and then like a second later we'll make another request. Sure. It's kind of how our migrations work. Uh, so he added uh, a little control on the settings tab that uh, can where you can just slide it up and add like a one or two second or three second delay between the so requests. So it slows the migration process, but ke also keeps hosts from blocking it. Yes, yes. And we actually considered, we had a debate about whether or not we should just do it by default. We should set it to like two seconds by default, uh, just so most people will never run into that issue. Sure. Um, but that I did a little bit of testing, and it actually slowed the migration I tried down by 3x, adding a two-second wow. delay. That, it, that uh, reminds me of a, uh, a really interesting statement I heard from some developers or researchers at Facebook once. So Facebook obviously has r r really, really good servers and is mm. consistently very fast. Um, and I was listening to, I think it was an interview with one of their their database designers or something, mm -hmm. somebody like that. And he was talking about request speed and how it doesn't necessarily matter it, how fast the request speed is. I mean, it, obviously, to a degree, it matters. What matters more is consistency. So if, if it's consistently 500 milliseconds to load a page on Facebook, that's OK, as long as it's always 500 milliseconds. If one day it suddenly jumps up and is uh, 2,000 milliseconds mm -hmm. to load a page, People, it throws people off, which makes me think that always slowing it down may not be such a bad thing. So you noticed that it was slower for you, obviously, because you intentionally delayed it. Um, but that makes me wonder, if you did that, would anybody, aside from people that experienced the, the older version and the new version, would anyone notice? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess we could slow it down just for new, uh, new customers, I guess. Um, or actually, you couldn't. You'd have to do it per install, so any new installs. Sure. 
Absolutely. Sure. It could always be a filter or something that you could put in. Yeah. So for people that knew that their host was okay with it and wanted it to be a little bit faster, could. Yeah. Anyway, Wait, I, I think about, we're... What do you about hosts that have blocked it already? I mean, slowing down the request isn't going to improve it then. Do you have to get in touch with them and say, please unblock this? No, so it's 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 not that kind of a blocking. It's not a permanent ban. It's ah. it's like a temporary thing where where the the host has some kind of you know denial of service software installed, and so if you Got make it. requests too close together, they just say, whoa, whoa, whoa we're, we're going to start re- rejecting. Okay, your that, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we'll start out just by not having it on by default, and and people can turn it on if they need it, and, and we'll go from there. So that's the plan anyway. I've also been uh, redesigning the UI of Migrate TV Pro a bit. Um, the settings, Drastically or just a little bit? Uh, I don't know drastically. Probably not drastically. It's just a little bit, just kind of tweaking it. Like the, the, the um, progress UI uh, is a little bit uh, neater, just ma- tightening it up a bit. And uh, the settings tab has just kind of been a mess. <laughs> it, it is a mess right now because we've just really been throwing Welcome things Welcome to in every there. setting screen that tur- went <laughs> yeah. from two settings to 20 or 30 or yeah. 40 or 500. I can see how it happens now. This, sa- this sounds very familiar. Yeah, because, I mean, you're just kind of adding them as you go. You know, one here, one there. Yeah, you, and- you add one. That's no big deal, right? Yeah. Until that's happened 50 times. Exactly, exactly. And so at this point, we just I kind of just took stock of, of what it looks like. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, it's it needs it needs to be you know looked at fully at its current state and kind of reorganized right to to make it kind of more logical. Uh, one example is um, there's a there's an option in there for SSL verification, and mm-hmm. that's been there since the very beginning. And since the very beginning, people have been confused, thinking that it's turning on SSL and turning uh, turning on and off SSL. I've experienced um, exact same thing because I had I had that exact same setting in a couple of plugins, yeah. and people are like, "Well, what what happened to SSL? Like, why is it not enabled? Do you <laughs> have an SSL certificate? <laughs> did you turn your Did you turn it on for your site? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's so SSL turn being on and off is a separate issue from SSL verification being on and off, right? Um, SSL verification is just the prevents the man in the middle attack. It's that, right. you know, the one I'm talking about. So, yep. so uh, I've renamed that to certificate verification so that it's like, and, and so they have to kind of dig into it to, to figure out that it's, you know, oh, this is, oh, that's what this is instead of making that, that snap judgment when they see SSL in there, right? Sure. Totally uh, makes sense. So uh, those are the kinds of things uh, I've been working on. That's cool. I'd love to see how, um, how those kind of changes make an impact. Um, for good or bad, um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, expectations or I don't know um, responses that we have when we when we use a UI, um, and this was something that I started kind of playing with today accidentally. So uh, earlier this morning, uh, I was doing a plugin review for a plugin called Caldera Forms, which is a, a form builder plugin that's on WordPress.org. It's built by uh, Oh, now I keep forgetting who it is. Um, uh, David Kramer and Josh Pollock uh, from Caldera WP. And it's it's a 
really cool plugin. Uh, it has kind of your standard functionality that you would expect in a form builder. So it's got the drag and drop interface, the text fields, the emails, all the different field types, email submissions, etc. What you expect when you're used to a form builder plugin in WordPress. Um, but when I was first using it, I was really kind of thrown off by some of the UI decisions they made. Like I looked at it and I was like, well, why would you do it that way? That's weird. This is not what I expect. Um, and it almost put a bad taste in my mouth at first. But then, like as I used it more, I was starting to realize, like, wait a minute, this is actually really cool. This is really intelligent. Maybe it was my preconceived notions that kind of screwed me up. Um, just because this is different and it wasn't what I expected didn't necessarily mean it was bad. And so I started trying to think about it that way and was able to actually realize that I think this is actually a much better UI and experience than, than maybe what I had expected to have. Um, my expectations are came from ex came from experience. I've used all these other plugins, all these different UIs within WordPress for plugins and such, um, and so just kind of built up what I expected to see, and then I didn't see that. Hmm. Um, just like one little example is for a for a complex plugin, we expect there to be a settings page, right? You have different options you enable, things like that. There's no settings page for this plugin, um, and and yet it's a very complex plugin. But they do have various settings throughout. Like there's there are form specific settings. Like do you want email notifications for this form and things like that. Um, but in terms of like plugin wide, there was only a couple of settings. And the way that they actually did it is they put toggle buttons at the top of the screen. So anytime you're editing a, a form, anytime you're viewing submissions, anytime you're doing anything like that, there are three toggle buttons at the top of the screen related to CSS. Um, which allow you allowed you to disable the styles uh, in terms of the actual styling of the forms, disable the the grid CSS. The whole thing is responsive, and so you can disable the the, the grid that the plugin loads. Uh, and then there's one more option, and clicking them automatically saved that setting. There was no okay now save. There was no change the option, save settings, reload the page. It was all AJAX. It was just an immediate toggle. Um, and at first I was like, why are these buttons sitting here? I don't understand. <laughs> but then afterwards, they're like, wait a minute. Why would I have an entire screen for these three little settings? That's silly. Um, and it was just kind of cool. It was a, it was a cool um, exercise in like looking at how our what we're used to affects new experiences. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. So um, is your review available somewhere? I actually just published it. It's on pippinsplugins.com. I published. I did a quick little video review of walking through kind of setting up a form, building it, how it works, et cetera. Um, and actually ended up, I wasn't planning on it, but I ended up talking about some of that same, uh, some, that same kind of experience, how it wasn't a UI I expected, but then once I played with it, I realized that I actually really, really liked it. Um, this is something that we, uh, we also experienced uh, maybe a year ago, year and a half, with EDD, uh, we we were doing a we we're building in some new features, uh, and one of them was related to quantities. So originally EDD didn't have quantity support. Um, we figured, hey, it's digital products; you don't have quantities. Well, eventually we realized that there are cases where you have quantities, and so we built it. Well, very standard in e-commerce is when you go to a checkout screen uh, or the cart screen, and you set your quantities. Things there's a button that says update cart or save cart or refresh totals or something like that. Yes. And 
I kind of looked at that and thought, this is kind of silly. Why don't we just update them on the fly? Like, why is there a need for the user to hit a, hit a button, initiate an action, and reload the page? So we changed it so that there is no button. There is no update card. If you update a quantity, it just fires an AJAX request and immediately updates the totals, recalculates discounts, recalculates taxes, et cetera, all on the fly. And I thought it was a really cool experience. Um, but people were we, looking for the button. People were looking for the damn button. <laughs> um, and, a, and a bunch of people came, not a ton of people, but some came back and were like, well, maybe this isn't good because people expect there to be a button. And I wanted, I kind of made me step back and think, well, people may want the button, but maybe we can work to change that expectation. Why is there that expectation? Well, there's that expectation because everyone else has done that. That's how everything works. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has for the last 10 years in e-commerce. Well, I kind of like the idea of trying to change that. Now, no one, no one, no one ever comes and says, "I don't understand how this works." And I think it's because we've been able to slowly get people used to it. And so, I, I, I wonder, I wonder who. So, who was, uh, who was providing the feedback to you? Was it developers, or was it actually end users trying? Um, to use I think mostly we had we had feedback from developers. I mean, right. so the initial feedback that we had was based on like I put out kind of a preview of, hey, this is what we did. Um, do, you and... think, do you think that end users would have just figured it out and managed fine? Because um, I think developers, developers are building the site, right? And they're kind of looking for things that aren't working or might be missing, right? So that that's the red flag, right? Like, oh, where's right. that button I expect to be there, even though right. I don't really probably don't need it. I guess sometimes we, we build interfaces um, on our expectations of how users are going to behave. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a really cool little experiment. I expected to go in and just review a plugin and kind of maybe not necessarily cut and dry, but it's we're going to use the plugin. We're going to say what we like about it, and then it kind of made me start thinking about it in a whole different way. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So interesting. So you have recently uh, been doing some changing to your pricing. Yes. We did Tell a little, this. little bit of a change. Um, so we had uh, two tabs on our pricing page, one that said individuals and one that said for teams, so licenses, kind of two groups of licenses. Uh, and no one was used, no one was getting to the team tab, or very few people. Uh, and then on, on the individuals tab, we had three packages, and one was uh, Elite, and that package had zero sales <laughs> like no one was buying that um so basically they decided you know what let's kind of kill two birds with one stone here and uh, that's a horrible thing to say isn't it though <laughs> who, who, who's killing birds with stones anyway but anyway um so we we removed the elite uh package completely and we and I kind of like jammed the two of the uh, team licenses on that one page. And now there's four licenses across. Yeah, so you now have agency, studio, developer, and personal. That's right. And we, and we uh, bumped up uh, agency and studio a little bit. Like the installs have been bumped up. Agency is actually unlimited now. And there's no restrictions on like the number of people that can have access to support or anything like that. With, with agency and uh, and studio was bumped up to I think five five team members have access to support um, so so yeah we're just trying to you know make makes plans that are are more attractive 
that people will actually buy is basically the the adjustments we've been making. Sure. Uh, so, oh, and are I'm you, running an A/B test on that page as well. That's what so, I was just going to ask. How are you? How are you? Measuring so you may not measure the change. So you may not see if you go to that page, you may not see the agency license. So I'm testing whether or not having three or four uh, packages on that page makes a difference. Um, and if, if it happens to be that three is better than four, then we're probably going to kill off one of maybe like merge agency and studio somehow sure. or something. Yeah. So I just, I loaded up in two different sessions and one of them, I see agency one. I don't. Very yeah, cool. Exactly. So yeah, we'll see, see how that, uh, AB test shakes down. And how long is, uh, when did you make the change? Oh, just the last day or two? A couple weeks ago, but that's not nearly enough time yet. Sure. You have any... <laughs> I think I need like three months, I think it's going to be, before I have yeah. a conclusive result. For Maybe that. tests are just tricky because you, you want to make assumptions really early on. I know. But <laughs> I found, so we're running a couple of tests right now too, and every time I log in, I'm like, oh, check it out. This one's clearly winning next day. Oh, that's not right. Maybe I should just ignore this for a while. But it is kind of fascinating to look at results as they come in and how they change. Yeah. Um, Are you watching the, the like there's a, a conclusivity uh, rating or whatever in yeah. Optimizely? In Optimizely, yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it tells I think, you how many more visitors that you need before you get like a... So we have, so we've got uh, a couple of running right now and I just looked at it this morning. I'm going to open them back up. Um, so our... There is, so it tells, gives us a number of visitors remaining to try and be significant. Yeah. But then there's also, in the main summary, there is a significance level. Um, like, how significant are these results so far? Mm -hmm. And right now, uh, we're at 90%. Oh, so, wow. Then it's probably... Yeah. It's, there's, you... They're pretty significant so far. Right. Um, but they're pretty fascinating. Uh, so ours are, the tests we're running right now, we, we actually have two of them, but it's the first one is related to pricing. Uh, which is awesome. So on our pricing page, just like yours, uh, we have decided to do a test with slashed pricing. So the only change that we did is we simply put a slashed number above the price. Um, so you know how you can, like a lot of times people see like, okay, it used to be this number and now it's this number. Right. So it's like a strike, strike through a strike. the yep. number. Yeah. Yep. So we're playing with that and we're, we did it only on our personal plan. So instead of being $69, it's now $49. Mm -hmm. um, and we're uh, so we ha we have it on both our homepage and our pricing page because both of those show the exact same grid. So we had to do it on both. Now, what's interestingly interesting is that they actually have very different results so far. Okay. Uh, so on on our on our pricing page, I don't know so, if that's interesting or just confusing. <laughs> to me, it's it's a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> I don't know what kind of insight it's going to give us because we're, we have to let this run for several more weeks for sure. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, a couple things. So, first of all, our, our pricing page gets about half the number of hits as their homepage, which would be expected. Um, but so so far um, on the homepage, uh, which both of these pricing grids are identical. Um, I mean, they are the exact same thing. So we have to have them on both pages. Um, our our homepage shows that by slashing the price, we have been able to increase revenue by 16.7%. Um, but the slash priced on the homepage, I mean, on the pricing page, shows a revenue in, uh, 
decrease of 50%, which is really interesting. Um, And there was one result earlier that we were looking at um, that was still very inconclusive, but it was basically more people purchased with uh, with the slash price, but they were less valuable. So basically we had more people purchasing the basic uh, the personal license, which is 49, mm-hmm. and fewer people pur- purchasing the professional, right. which is 199. Right, because you which, haven't, you haven't, you don't have a slash price on, on right. The it's only the slash on the personal, right. um, which kind of says, oh look, this one's discounted, so I'm going to jump on that one right now. Uh, it would be interesting if you moved it to the other one, which is exactly what we're going to do with a follow up. So right. we're going to see how this how this changes over time. Um, and then it might be that we'll have a slash on both. We'll only slash professional. I mean, what we really want people to purchase professional is what we're aiming for. Right. Um, and so it's. I thought it was. I just thought it was fascinating that we could actually have an increase in purchases but a decrease in revenue, uh, which is awesome. I mean, that's not awesome. Not necessarily. We want an increase in revenue more than an increase in purchases. But seeing those kind of results just by a little tiny change is just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. A/B testing. It can be pretty fun, but I, I'm always surprised at how long they take. So that's the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you can only really run one at a time, right? Or it's hard to run multiple because they can affect. You have another. to be very careful running multiple. Yeah. That's for sure. So we do actually have a second one that we're running, which I think they're completely separate. Um, I mean, there's always correlations between things, but so we recently added a, a pop-up uh, to subscribe to the newsletter on Excel Intent, which part of me really, really hates because I don't like those. However, dang it, they work. Do they? <laughs> uh, they work. <laughs> they really do. Uh, we've we've added several hundred new people to the list since we added it in like quite a few a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that we decided to do was to not just say, hey, will you subscribe? We're, we're saying, hey, if you subscribe, we're going to give you an automatic 10% discount as well, um, which then will get emailed to you, which definitely makes a huge difference. So instead of just getting people on the list, we're also making it far more likely that they're going to go ahead and purchase. But So what we did is we're doing a really basic test where one version of the pop-up will show that they can get a discount. Like that's the first line of the pop-up. Subscribe and get a 10% discount. The other version of the pop-up is that that text is at the bottom of the pop-up. So it has like different reasons why you want to subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the bottom says, oh, and you can get a 10% discount by subscribing. And interestingly is that the, the one where it displays it uh, at the bottom only has converted twice as well as the... T- the one where we put it up front and personal. Wow, that is crazy. Which kind of baffled me. I would have expected the other way around. Yeah. So, but we'll see. That one it hasn't run long enough to to be super conclusive. Uh, yeah. But, so, how do yeah. I get to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm on your. It's affiliate WP Affiliate WP. Right? Yep. Okay. So, yeah. navigate around the site and then move your mouse out of the window. I'm not getting it. This is not. I've been trying that while you've been talking. <laughs> it's just not, it's not well, going. Let's find out. Maybe we broke it. <laughs> um, be interesting. Um, I think. Let's see. Nope, it works for me. Oh, you really? might. It's possible you've already seen it. So it it cookies people. 
Oh, so, so if I've already X'd it, then it won't come yeah, back. Yeah, if you open a new incognito window or clear your cookies, then you should get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there it is. Boom. Yep. There it is. Okay, it's at the bottom for me. It's at 10%. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so but it's still that's in the one view, that's converted better. Right? It's still, it, they don't have to scroll to see the 10%. No, no, okay. it's, the only thing is, like, it's the first line or the bottom line. Right, I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so the one where it's at the bottom is almost twice as good so far. Huh. Which is weird. So weird. <laughs> yeah, I would not have expected that at all. I wonder, uh, how early on are you, though, in that? How conclusive is uh, that? This is, it's still pretty early. We're, look, we're right now, we're at 2,600 impressions um, with a conversion rate of 1.82% 1. 8, 1. Mm. overall. Um, so, honestly, I mean, we need to see 10, 20,000 impressions before we really make an assumption. Uh, so I think this has been running, we did this during San Diego. So just over last weekend, I was in at WordCamp San Diego, and we we launched it, I think, while in the airport or something. Right. So it's only it's only been going for a few days. So once it goes for another two weeks or so, then I think we'll have some, some more solid data to, to really be conclusive. Cool. So while we're talking about pricing, uh, I wonder... Um... So I've been considering how to price the uh, Amazon S3 and CloudFront Pro plugin that mm -hmm. we're going to be releasing soon. Uh, we've been discussing it internally. And uh, the thing that we've kind of gotten to is that it kind of makes sense to price it based on the size of the uh, the media library. So, um, so if you had a site that had, you know, 50,000, you know, items in your media library you would pay more than a site that has a hundred right and it seems fair um to me that that, that you know it just kind of makes sense um i think uh but we've been getting some backlash on on the on that idea <laughs> from is, um you might have to remind me uh how part of the plugin works does it interact with your own servers at all or is it only their own Oh, it's only it's theirs. It's yeah. It's it doesn't touch. So I'd be curious on what's what's some of the what are people saying the the people that are unhappy about that potential pricing. The, the most, what are their reasons? The the reasoning. Well, I mean, we haven't gotten feedback from a ton of people. It's really just you know I think two or three people so far. We sure. Just in the comments of the blog post that I put out, the sneak peek uh, blog post. Mm -hmm. um, but the comments were generally around. Um, just not not being in line with pricing, with other plugin pricing, right? Just not, because no one does it this way, right? No one prices based on the size of the media library. So people were just saying, well, why don't you just do it per site like everybody else, you know? So that's the, I guess we're back to expectations again, right? Right. Well, one of the reasons why I was, I was asking about uh, whether or not your servers are used is because at least, at least in, in my expectations, when I see, see somebody that is pricing based upon usage, it's because the more the system is used, it's it's interacting with their own server so, so in some way. So the more it's used or the more files that are processed, the more expensive it is for you to run the plugin, right. you as the, yeah. as the provider. But in this case, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that applies because uh, everything is related to is is on their own servers. Right. Um, 
so it's almost more of an arbitrary fee. Right. I don't, well, I don't actually, necessarily disagree with that. You know what? You you just you just nailed it. That that was that was the the word that was used is artificial. That it's an artificial limit. There we go. I think that's what you're trying yeah. to say, right? Yeah. Ar- that it seems like an artificial limit. And I guess my my feeling about that though is that sites isn't also an artificial limit, right? Like the number of sites that a plugin is allowed to be, in, you know, applied to that a license is. About, yeah, yeah, you know? I think that can apply. I think that makes sense. It's, um, it's it's also artificial, right? So no matter really, so, no matter what you do, it's always going to be artificial. So in a way, we we use sites as an artificial limit um, because the idea is okay. If we're going to support you, we're going to support you on this site, and we're going to support you on this site. It's yeah. more work for us normally. Yes. Well, I think I'm not a hundred percent confident, but I think you could extend that argument to to also say that it's more work for us to support you on larger sites because there's more likelihood of something to go wrong. Yes, exactly, exactly. The the plugin needs to work harder, right? <laughs> like when on your on your giant high trafficked website. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's huh. something we're kind of still discussing and thinking about. Um, but right now, it seems to make the most sense uh, to do it that way. But we'll see. I'll love to see how that turns out, or once you what you end up deciding. Yeah. Uh, is there is uh, release getting a little bit closer, or still a ways to go? Uh, getting a little bit closer. Um, probably, I'd say a month and a half out now. I think I said a month, two months out last podcast. So. <laughs> I think we're on on this artificial <laughs> schedule. Um, Getting closer, though. Yeah, we we've been working on the CSS JS add-on, uh, which is the the ability to offload your CSS, your front-end CSS and JS uh, to S3 and a CDN if you want. Um, so the idea is that uh, as we detect files being loaded into your and displayed on the front end so you know as a css or js file is enqueued using the wordpress enqueuing system we hook into that and then then we queue it up for to upload it to s3 and then once it, cool. once it's uploaded to s3 once that's been completed then we start serving it so the hook will just overwrite your local url with the s3 url so that's that's the idea there, but we, again, we're still working on it. Um, so we're hoping that works and that it's performant. That it's we're going to do the uploading in the background, obviously. Right. We, we don't you know people sitting on waiting for the page to load, and the assets are, are going to S3 the whole time. It'd be like ten second page load time. That'd be that'd be great. Um. Yeah, I've also. Have you been listening to the uh, the the startup podcast? I haven't. I'm a terrible podcast host and don't listen to that many other podcasts. <laughs> this one's most, really honest, most of the time when I listen to a, a podcast, it's about brewing. You should. I should. We. I should challenge you to listen to this, and then we All can right. talk. Then we can talk about it on the next podcast. Because here's the challenge thing: accepted. He's he's starting he's starting a business right and he's he's going out looking for money he's looking for venture uh, venture capital um, oh. or angel investors and he's going about it that way so it's very contrary 
too, or very different than what we've done, right? We've bootstrapped our businesses. Um, right. So it'd be interesting to talk about, I think. Definitely. I think it's two completely different worlds. Yeah. For yeah. sure. For sure. At least in terms of the, the running the business side of things. Yeah. And I, I recommend anyone listen to this thing, too, because uh, the guy used to work for uh, This American Life on uh, oh, that's cool. on NPR. Uh, right. I think it's NPR that that was on. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Uh, and so he's just a really good storyteller. And it's just it's a phenomenally well-produced podcast. Was uh, he was he like behind the scenes on that or actually one of the he was uh, one of the producers, the I think. That's I think awesome. he was a producer. Um, I, had, I got the chance to actually see uh, This American Life live once. Uh, oh, wow. I worked at, during college. I worked as a stagehand at a theater, and they came and did a show at, the, at our theater, so I helped set it up and run the show. Nice. Those were really cool. That sounds pretty cool. Should should we read some of our iTunes reviews? Yeah, I think that would be a good way to wrap up. Uh, so uh, we're actually very pleased to see there was quite a few reviews that came in recently. So for anyone that left a rating. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so here's a, a, here's a funny story. I was like, Pippin was saying, we've got 30-some reviews. And and I was like, no, we don't. I only, I only see one review, Pippin. You're crazy. And turns out iTunes Canada is different than iTunes US. And you have to, like, switch between them to see the reviews in each respective country. Yeah. So, so I don't see the Canadian reviews, and you don't see the, the Isn't that US. bizarre? That's kind of a weird way to do it. I think, but it's a little um, strange. Though I, I suppose uh, it probably ties into the way that the app system works as well. Like if you've ever sold an app through iTunes mm -hmm. uh, through the App Store, uh, you actually get sales reports for every single region. So like I just got uh, like they just changed pricing for apps in Japan, and so sure. I get a new report for the Japanese sales. I get a new one for European. I get a new one for US. Oh, that's. And I also, wonder if it's all kind of related to the same idea. It's also kind of, kind of bizarre that they yeah. wouldn't just have one we're report. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so there've been some some great reviews, and we're gonna read a couple of them just as a way to say thanks. So this comes from Lex.me. They say, "Looking forward to the next episode. I just listened to the very first one, uh, and I know how much I'm going to learn from here. Thank you. The podcast is exactly what I was missing. So it's awesome. Great to hear that from from the get go. There was something useful for for listeners." Um, then another one, this comes from uh, KaiChan7. Uh, this is a must-listen for all WordPress developers, whether you do themes, plugins, or both. Keep up the good work, and I'm really excited to hear more. Awesome. Uh, so total, we've had about 35 reviews. So if you are one of those people, thank you very much for taking the time to do that. Um, again, uh, my original offer still stands. Anybody who has written a plugin, if you want to drop us a review on iTunes, uh, send me a note, either Twitter, email, uh, through the contact form on the site, and I'll be happy to take a look at your plugin for you, too. I think that's a wrap. Yeah. See you next time, I guess. All right. See you soon. Thanks, everybody.